You're listening to Monster of the Week with Timothy from ProDM, and this week we're going to carry on my wayward crawler, because we're talking about carrion crawlers. And I thought the best way to connect with today's youth was a reference to the 1976 hit by the band Kansas. You can find the Carrion Crawler on page 37 of the 5th edition Monster Manual. As the name implies, they are sort of subterranean scavengers that explicitly eat dead flesh but are also a threat to living creatures. They have various appearances across various editions, but in 5th edition, they are typified by their sort of skittering legs, their chitinous plates, and specifically a host of tentacles that uh, sprout from beneath the mouth that have like a paralytic touch. 5e does the carrion crawler as a one-page entry with a single stat block. They are CR2. Um, They have uh, climb speed. They have keen smell and spider climb. And then they have a multi-attack power. They've got the tentacle attack, which, as I said, has a constitution save versus paralysis. And they have a bite, which just deals piercing damage. So, yeah, they are a pretty basic monster mechanically, but they're very classic. They're also endemic to Dungeons & Dragons. You don't really see carrion crawlers in other universes, and they kind of have a niche, just like the gelatinous cube, in sort of the dungeon ecology as subterranean scavengers. They also have a long history in D&D, which we're going to talk about next. The Carrion Crawler first appears in the 1977 Monster Manual for first edition, and unlike most monster entries in the first edition Monster Manual, there is nothing especially weird about it. You could kind of take the entry from first edition and transplant it here in fifth edition, and the lore would essentially be the same. The only thing worth mentioning is that the art in the first edition version of the Carrion Crawler, which I've linked below, really resembles the Wiggler from a Super Mario, like that sort of segmented caterpillar enemy. It's almost a little bit too goofy to take seriously, but that was true of a lot of Dungeons & Dragons' early art. Second edition then keeps the Carrion Crawler and goes... I would argue maybe a little too deeply into the life cycle. There's a lot of text about the mating rituals and the gestation period, and while there is some interesting stuff in there, notably that they lay their eggs in carrion, on balance, it's probably a little bit more David Attenborough than you really need in a monster entry. Like, all the specifics about their life cycle don't really pertain to adventures and couldn't really pertain to adventures. There's nothing, like, hook-worthy in there. They do appear in 3rd edition, and once again, they are pretty much the same as they are in 1st and 2nd edition. Which, thinking about it now, is kind of cool. If you make the cockroach comparison, there's something sort of timeless about the carrion crawler, right? That, like, long after the Earth is like a nuclear wasteland, the carrion crawler stat block will still be the same. You know what I mean? Once again, though, the art is pretty notable here. They make a big change, and now it has this kind of radioactive, bright green, mutagenic-looking appearance, a little bit more like a proper caterpillar, but also a lot of, like, Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles are in there. You could absolutely see this thing slithering around the sewers of New York City in a TMNT comic, 100%. 
Now, 4th edition probably makes the biggest departure from the standard carrion crawler. It sort of keeps the 3rd edition, like, toxic waste coloration, but it does add a bunch to the lore and to the mechanics. Lore-wise, they they add in, like, a, a Far Realm connection, basically kind of like a, a Lovecraftian angle, which I dig, especially with the tentacles and everything. Those tentacles then deal poison damage, um, and the paralysis is kind of segmented, so it's, like, slowed down first, and then immobilized, and then stunned. Later in 4th edition, they also introduced a bunch of other types of carrion crawlers, including the enormous carrion crawler, which is its actual name, which plays on the, like, lobster idea that they just keep getting bigger and bigger and bigger uh, and more and more powerful, kind of like dragons, right? And I kind of like that. I think that's an interesting little uh, flavor to add and a justification for why you might get a massive, like, you know, CR 10 or 12 carrion crawler. Yeah, and that's the history of the carrion crawler across all five editions of Dungeons & Dragons. Like I say, there is something elemental about a big, scary bug that comes to eat your food that I think will always persist in whatever stories we tell. Next, we're going to talk about the things we like about the 5th edition Carrion Crawler. So when I was first flipping through 5th edition's Monster Manual, I remember being caught by how unusual the Carrion Crawler art was. Like, it's definitely a Carrion Crawler, but it's so different from the 3rd edition version, which is what I grew up on. It's much more unsettling, because it really looks a lot more like an like an earwig, like a real insect. And something about that makes them ten times grosser. They have this kind of, like, brownish grub sort of coloration, and it's way, way, way grosser. So I think that's a big improvement. Nothing against, you know, the the 90s cartoon version, but I was never really drawn to them. Now I look at it and I see, okay, this is how a creature like this could really freak out a, a PC for sure. I've mentioned this about three times already, but I do still love the sort of changelessness of the carrion crawler that like they've never really messed with any other mechanics or abilities that it, it has the tentacles and it has the bite. You know, it may or may not have spider climb. It may or may not have keen smell. But but this carrion crawler's core concept of a yucky bug that paralyzes you and then eats you has stayed the same through all of the additions and probably won't ever change. And I kind of really like that. There's something, like I say, very primal about this notion of the things we fear showing up as monsters in our fiction. And then lastly, let's talk about the mechanics. Like I say, it's a pretty simple monster. There's not a lot going on here, but its big guns are obviously its paralysis. So unlike 4th edition, which tries to slowly dole out the stun, 5th edition goes right in. It has multi-attack, so it can attack with tentacles and the bite. I think the implication being it goes tentacles first to try to paralyze you and then goes in with the bite, hopefully with advantage. Because the tentacles are pretty lethal. They're not really messing around. It's a little bit of poison damage, but then it's constitution saving throw or you'd be poisoned for one minute. They don't break it up into smaller chunks like 4th edition does. They just go right for the throat. It's similar to how the ghoul's paralysis works, where it's just one and done. A lot more like an older edition's version of kind of save or die. So a, a couple of bad rolls against a carrion crawler or two can really be lethal, especially to a lower level party. And there's something kind of cool about that. Like, I like that they're not really pulling their punches, that they, they have all of the weight behind the tentacle, and that's what it's swinging with, and that's the main thing you have to worry about when you fight a carrion crawler. I think it's nice, clean, efficient design. Yeah, so those are the three things we like about the carrion crawler. You know, its art is cool, uh, it's very classic, and I, I like that it's it's basically like a tentacle attack on wheels. You know, it is a very simple monster, and it has. I think that's part of the reason it has withstood the test of time. Next, we're going to talk about the things that we don't like so much about 5th edition's carrion crawler, and maybe ways that we could improve it.
So the downside, of course, to their classic nature is that they are a little bit flat to run. Much like a ghoul, you know, because they are just the paralysis attack on wheels, there's not a lot going on here that makes them exciting. Beyond hitting you with the tentacle attack, that's about all they can do. On some level, sure, that's its unique thing, but there are other monsters that do that. Again, like the ghoul, there's nothing that the carrion crawler has specifically that other monsters don't have. There's nothing that's like, oh man, this is the carrion crawler's big thing that it has uniquely. It, it, it's sharing real estate with a couple of other monsters that do similar effects. So that to me is a bit of a drawback. I, I much prefer the concept of the monster more than I prefer necessarily the execution of the monster. A carrion crawler seems like a cool idea and then you look at it and you're like, mm, I guess it's just the paralysis, a little bit flat. My second negative is a bit of a lore quibble. The exact nature of the danger a carrion crawler is intended to pose to a party has never been 100% clear to me. All of their branding is like around carrion and scavenging, but then in the description they talk about how they're ambush predators and how they hunt their prey, and there's this weird confusion between whether they hunt live prey or whether they or whether they just, you know, scavenge it. There's like one line at the very end of the description that say the monster then resumes patrolling its territory while waiting for its meal to ripen. So the conceit is that like they can only eat rotten flesh, which is really interesting. But then sort of un it's undercut by the fact that they just hunt their own prey and then stash it somewhere where no one can find it. Right. To me, if you look at actual animals in the wild, which obviously don't have the same biology a carrion crawler would, but scavengers in the wild don't just eat carrion because it's the only thing they can eat. It's because it's easy meat, right? They don't have to go hunting for it. They're just looking for meat. And so animals like jackals and vultures and to some extent hyenas, but hyenas get a bad rap. They're not all scavengers. Almost all animals on the savannah scavenge do it because it's simpler. So they will follow other predators around or kind of like lurk in the shadows, wait for them, the predator to be exhausted after killing their meat, and then come in and steal it, right? They're kind of like mafiosos almost. It's a, it's a nice gazelle you have here. It'd be a shame if something happened to it. So I think focusing on carrion and dead creatures is a more interesting direction for the carrion crawler, but it seems kind of confused about whether it's a scavenger or a predator here in the uh, description. And then my last one is a small one. They do make a point in the lore about talking about how they're patient, like ambush predators. You know, how they hide in the shadows and they lash out with their tentacles. But then the carrion crawler does not have stealth. It's got spider climb, which I think could be really useful in certain, like, kind of stealthy situations if it's clinging to the walls or the ceiling or whatever. But without stealth and only plus one dexterity, it's hard to imagine this thing actually sneaking up on anyone. I would also say, like, I think they're a little too big. They're large size. So this is a this is a cockroach the size of a horse. Right. It's, it's too big to me. Like, I'm not saying they shouldn't be like monstrously large, but I feel like even a medium sized carrion crawler is still a, a decent threat. Right. Large just feels absurd. So how then would we improve the carrion crawler? I think the changes are pretty simple. It wouldn't take a lot of work. First of all, I would want to tighten up that lore. Thinking more about them as scavengers, I like the idea that the carrion crawler isn't so much of a danger to the party as they are a nuisance. Right, imagine a party going through a dungeon and slaying some monsters, and then within a round or two, carrion crawlers come crawling up out of cracks in the stonework to try to grab the, the meat and drag it away. Probably that's fine in most cases, but they would also probably be very territorial around the meat and try to attack the party. So the party has just completed an encounter, and then another encounter immediately rolls up on them with these very, like, territorial protective carrion crawlers trying to scare the party off. They're not interested in eating the party, they're just interested in keeping them away from their kill, right, which they're very competitive about. 
It could also potentially interrupt the characters from looting a body and then creates this interesting question of do you fight this carrying crawler to get access to the loot that this body has? How long does it take you to loot them before the carrying crawler comes in and grabs it? It creates this unique tension that's not exactly about we open a door and monsters attack us. It kind of addresses this weird idea of what happens to all the dead bodies in the dungeon, kind of like the gelatinous cube does. It would purely be a tactics and a lore thing, but I think focusing them more on scavenging makes their niche a little bit more unique. Secondly, I would shrink their size down to medium. I would uh, probably up their dexterity a little bit and then maybe give them training in stealth. If you want them to be kind of skittering under the fridge, sort of roach monsters, I think making them a little bit more circumspect and not quite so enormous is probably uh, to the good. And then lastly, I would love to play into this roach idea a little bit more and maybe give them sort of like a skitter power where they can like, you know, move as a bonus action or they can disengage as a bonus action or something like that. So that way they could they could get into and out of scenarios pretty easily, right? Like roaches kind of stereotypically are, are difficult to squish because they're always like skittering around and they're very fast. You could even potentially give the tentacle or the bite a grab power, right? So when it bites, it hooks its jaws into you and then it can drag you away with its skitter. So in our scavenger model, it probably wouldn't be going after PCs with this, but if it's trying to drag dead bodies away, you know, it like locks its jaws and then uses its skitter and disappears down a crack and suddenly it's dragged the corpse you wanted to loot or the body you wanted to interrogate away thinking that it's already dead. Yeah, so those are the three changes I would make. Like I say, I think the carrion crawler really doesn't need as much work as something like the beholder. But but I think the fiction of the skittering, skulking scavenger who's always nipping at your food could be enhanced with a little bit more support, both from lore and mechanics. And that's it. That's the end of our carrion crawler episode. Thank you so much for listening. Uh, we will be back next week with our next sea monster, and that is the centaur. Uh, interesting, because it's another humanoid, kind of like the Aarakocra or the Bullywogs. So there'll be a lot to unpack, probably even some stuff that's not actually here in the monster manual. Until next time, thank you for listening. Keep on carrying on, and happy adventures. Monster of the Week is a ProDM production. You can follow us on Twitter at ProDMTimothy. If you like the show, please consider supporting us on Patreon. Even $1 a month gets you access to the redesigned monsters that we discuss here on the show. You can find us at patreon.com slash ProDM. You can catch those monster redesigned streams Thursdays at 2 p.m. PST on our YouTube channel. The music used in this episode was Rainbow Ride and Waves by Azure Flux, used under an attribution, non-commercial, share-alike Creative Commons license. Check out their work at azureflux.bandcamp.com. Thanks for listening.